Hello, everyone. This is Will, and I'm back here with another episode of Death Diner with the most perfect Donna. Say hello, Donna. Hello. It's been a while since we've last spoken to all of you, but um, we our schedules are back aligned, and we are here together. And it seems as though the hiatus has actually spurred what I believe to be the fodder for one of our best episodes yet. And that is based on the question of what is a good death? Now, in talking with Donna about this topic prior to recording, um, we realized we can tackle this a lot of different ways. And we're actually really excited to kind of come at this question um, from a lot of different angles. Um, And, Uh, We hope you enjoy kind of what we discover about each other during this and hope that it spurs uh, some food for thought for yourselves and maybe even for some family members as well. Um, So, Donna, what to you is a good death? To me personally, not professionally, I'm going to separate the two. Personally, a good death to me is that I've lived my life prior to dying. And I think that's the hardest part for many of us. I know for me, because work gets in the way, other, you know, adult responsibilities and all of these other things. And then I start forgetting that there's also life that needs to be lived. Um, going on a cruise and a trip with my family next week and uh, to celebrate my parents' 50th wedding anniversary in this day and age, that's not always possible to make it to 50 years. So um, that's living. You know, I'm taking time off to be with family and enjoy nature, something that I really love to do. Um, but I felt some anxiety about taking that time off um, okay. until I realized I've never taken two weeks off ever in my adult life except for maternity leave. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I've uh, never taken uh, two weeks in a row off unplugged. And it's oh, going to be fun. Out of here. And, and, but I realized that's part of living. So when I think about a good death and the fact that we both work in, a, in an environment where nobody's promised tomorrow, no one's promised the next five minutes. And mm. we are reminded of that in our own, you know, in my work life. I forget to take into my personal life the importance of living and doing the things that I feel called to do that bring me joy. Yeah. I, I read something that, that um, there's a there's a reason on an airplane that when the oxygen mats fall, they say you have to put yours on first before helping anyone else around mm-hmm. you, and including your child, including yeah. your child. And I think that's a great uh, analogy to to helping yourself live the best life you can. Mm-hmm. In terms of you need to prioritize yourself and your own happiness uh, to. To be the best person you can be, but also in the moments where you need to give of yourself, yeah. you have the you have the the strength and energy to give. Yeah, you know, um, and I think that that kind of goes hand in hand. Um, do you have anything to add? Not yet. Okay, I might later. I'm, I'm curious to hear yours. So I actually, when when Donna brought this up, um, I real I remember that I had taken notes. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember the context of these notes. Um, you know what it was? I think it was, I believe it was Dr. Vincent Nguyen okay. um, from Hogue Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the five tasks of dying. Oh, okay. And I, I'm not. I can. I'm. I think these are really good. I I think they align with what I would believe and what I would picture a good death. I think there are definitely things personally that I would add to this, but I mm-hmm. think these are definitely worth mentioning to answer okay. the question. Okay. So the five tasks of dying are saying I love you, mm-hmm. say thank you, ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. say I forgive you, and then say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And if you think about these, I've read them to you, so uh, think about these in the context of your inner circle, your family, your your best friends, your spouse, the people who mean the most to you, and those being around your bed when you're on your deathbed. Mm-hmm. And I'll read them again. I love you. Say thank you. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Say goodbye. Powerful. So yeah, and I remember I remember thinking about that scenario mm-hmm. and actually like I, I I think previously I had like a what is a good death? And my thought was like after I die, I want to be like taxidermied <laughs> in 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 the Superman position, dressed as Superman. <laughs> put on a track on the ceiling and flown around the room for my memorial service. And it's like, that's, that's, I guess a certain definition. And that was like the jokester in me. And that's how I answered it initially. And I had heard that from a friend who was like, can you do that? And I was like, that's the coolest idea I've ever heard. I wanted to do that for myself. Um, (laughs) It's a hilarious concept, right? So I, but then after hearing this, I realized that, when you're re- like, I've never been faced with that. Right. And I know that in the face of that, like that moment mm-hmm. of transitioning, like how, how do I achieve peace as, as I, when I say goodbye, mm-hmm. like I don't want there to be any strife within right. me right. before I die. Mm-hmm. And I found that these steps are a great, great, great barometer or, or great steps to take to make sure that you die at peace with the people you care about the most. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a phenomenal answer yeah. to what is a good death. I agree. It's being at peace with yourself and the relationships you care most about. So I love that. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is a, it kind of, it's kind of like, what is that? Before you say something, you answer these questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it, you know, and having something that like that in your mind too, I think can keep, keep us, if we so choose on track with staying in alignment with what we want, mm-hmm. or what we want to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dalai Lama pictures his own death every day. That's one of his spiritual practices and it's his way of keeping himself in alignment with doing what he feels called to do. Because if he were to die today, is he living the way he would have chosen to, or he, is he making those choices? So he pictures his death every day is a good death. What is a good death to him? And it's to picture that every day. I don't do that. Oh, I'm going to start doing that. Um, Next and, time you see me coming down. I don't know. <laughs> but I thought that was something to think about. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I that's actually these are really good diverse perspectives. Yeah. And but well, the, it, we're all diverse. We have, and I'm sure those of you listening have your own things that are coming up right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're hoping to to yeah to spark do, that thought, to spark the thought to maybe I, plant a seed to start thinking about it. Yeah, and I think. And I think there's a lot more that goes into it. Like that's that's a lot of the mm-hmm. the social side mm-hmm. um, or psychosocial mm-hmm. side. Um, I think there's there's an there's a specific answer to for um, in terms of treatment. Mm-hmm. What does a good death mean for you? Right. Um, and that that may be defining. Oh, that's true. Like what is? What kind of medical care do I yeah, want what, or not? Yeah, want? Kind of, exactly. So like, if if you were like let's say in a coma mm-hmm. and you didn't have any like directive saying that mm-hmm. you wanted, did not want life sustaining treatment. And and you were to have some sort of experience where you got to look at yourself and be like, this is not the death I wanted. Like yeah. I wish, I wish I had gotten a, an active choice in choosing something different for myself. Cause I, don't, I wouldn't want to live like this. Oh, and I wouldn't want to see my family now struggling to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cause I've yeah. ha- we've had that on hospice. People Definitely. have a, they're walking around one day and have a massive stroke, but don't die. And now they can't communicate. And family's like, well, they were doing so great. We didn't talk about it. Didn't th- and now we're trying to make these decisions that can be heart wrenching and overwhelming. And do I make the right decision, which can bring up guilt. And then we both, you know, have that in our, in our professional lives. Yeah. So a good death is, you know, if I can picture myself in this situation, what would I want so I can communicate it? Yeah, exactly. I think, I think you're, you're right in terms of separating your personal point of view about what a good death looks like and what you see professionally as a good death. Because I'll be honest with you. Sometimes what I see professionally affects how I think about it personally. Definitely. You know, because it's, it's, I for, see, it's formed me personally, you know, because it, over the last 12 years of doing, you know, hospice work, it's you, you see all these different scenarios and it gives me it all, I feel like it gives me a, a, that window is going, oh, well, I don't want that experience. So I better tell somebody, oh, my goodness, I never thought this could happen. And it's in my face all the time, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm exposed to it, which makes me think personally, but I don't always act on it. Yeah. But it makes me think um, because I get those windows that not everybody does um, and not everybody is comfortable with it. I think, I think from my perspective professionally, because I, I see, I see me professionally. I don't often see a good death from the patient's point of view, because mm-hmm. I'm interacting with the family. With the family after the patient has passed. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, in very certain circumstances, I interact with the patient before they mm-hmm. pass, but most of the time, I'm interacting with the family. But they give really good indications of whether that person had a good death mm-hmm. by how they're reacting and expressing their grief yes. through their loved one's transition. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things for different people. But for me, when I meet with a family who sits down with me, sad, somber, grief stricken, obviously, but put together Mm -hmm. and, um, they, they may be emotionally affected throughout that meeting, which is of course understandable, but overall, like they are, they have 
you can tell that they've come to terms with what's happening and that they're, they're okay with it. Right. Um, and they, they share like great moments that they had with their loved one. Um, they understand and accept the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and are at peace mm-hmm. with the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that I, I look at as a, good death yes it is the minute you say the word peace it's a good death yeah no matter what's happened if you can find some sense of peace it's a good death yeah Uh, because i think it's hard for for many of us to to even want to picture what a good death is because i'm not ready to die so why do i want to picture a good death yeah it's i i've i've pictured my own death before i don't do it every day but Mm -hmm. i i do it and i have done it Mm -hmm. and it, it is true. It, it does change your subconscious mind yes. to kind of like actively pursue things that or make decisions that make you live your best life. Yeah. I would say. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the other aspect of what is a good death is, you know, you can break it down into what does it mean physically? What does it mean socially? What does it mean spiritually? You know, because we have all these different um parts of who we are and I could have a good death meaning I got to go to the places I really wanted to um, but socially I didn't get to talk to the people I missed for whatever reason our schedules didn't work out maybe there was um, uh, a separation maybe there was an estrangement um, going on so I didn't get to say goodbye to that person or I'm sorry, or I forgive you, or please forgive me, whatever, you know, all those five things. So a good death, there might be pieces that aren't clicking. Yeah. Um, Not that I think we should live in fear of our, of our death. And because I think sometimes that happens too, uh, that we don't make certain decisions or choices because we're afraid of whatever. Yeah. And I think that hinders us from healing. Yeah. I really think so. Yeah. I think there's another quote I have right below oh, that. I want to hear it. It says, in the face of no cure, healing takes place. Yep. Who wrote that? Me. I don't know. Oh, I love that. I am I, I, sure. It's in quotes. So uh-huh. somebody said it. Yeah. I just wrote it down. Okay. Wherever this came from, that person's really smart. <laughs> but I don't know when this happened. Let me see what else I have here. Abundant life can be accomplished through suffering. In the midst of the struggle, we discover the depth of God's love. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. Yeah, this is all really interesting. Yeah. I got to figure out where I was. One of my favorites is Wayne Dyer's, um, if you have the choice to be right or the choice to be kind, always choose kind. Yeah. And to me, that would be a good death because it's a different frame of mind. I'd rather be compassionate than an angry field, right person. Yeah. And so when I'm struggling with something, I think of that quote from Wayne Dyer. It's like, okay. I always view that, that proposition as the choice to be your stubborn self. Mm -hmm. We're just, like prioritizing because uh-huh. by being kind, you're prioritizing mm-hmm. and saying it's not, it's not important enough to be right here. Mm-hmm. It's more important to be kind. Mm-hmm. And that re- involves letting go of the, of your ego, ego 
and yeah, choosing that, that track. Yeah. But I think having, choosing to have a good death is all about prioritizing too. Yeah. Because sometimes we want to prioritize what's really important and we might be figuring out what's important and that might change as we get older or, or life experiences happen. What used to be important might not be as important now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know of people who have gone through hardships. I've read biographies and they've whole, totally changed how they see life. They yeah. totally see, change how they interact with, with people. And uh, I think all of that can lead up to what we might call a good death. Uh, that, that's, that's a really good point. So I, I get, we've been kind of like concentrating on, we talked a bit about in the beginning, making sure you live a good life. Yes. And then kind of, we, we, get, we went to like that, that last window to make amends mm -hmm. and, and making sure whatever relationships mm -hmm. you have are in good working order before you leave this world. And there, there, I think I want going back okay. to your whole life as an accumulation mm -hmm. of, of what you've done mm -hmm. relationships, yeah. accomplishments and so on and so forth. I, in terms of those relationships, having those in order is hugely important. Mm -hmm. A good death to me as well is the, the years leading up to, to those last years, filling them with what I love to do and pursuing the dreams I have. Yes. And because I like as much as I value the, the relationships of the people mm -hmm. around me, I, I do value my own accomplishments yes. and, and, and that self-actualization that I want for myself. Yes. And I couldn't imagine being on my deathbed and saying, wow, I really wish I had, you know, were, I wish I had really like done more with Omega. Yeah. Or like I really wish I had learned to drive stick shift. Right. And like that's not an important one, but you right. kind of get the idea. It's like you just yeah. don't. I don't want to be in a position where I'm. I have regrets about things I didn't do, yep. and don't have the energy, physical capacity, or mental capacity to accomplish them with the time I have left. Isn't there a saying somewhere we we regret more what we didn't do than what we did do mm -hmm. at the end of life? Yeah. Um, and in fact, I was in a hospital yesterday visiting a, a really close friend, and I always hang out at the hospital gift shop. If it's open, I have to pop in. And um, there was this beautiful picture. If I had room for it in my house, I'd have gotten it. But it was a beautiful picture, and it had hot air balloons all over it. And the saying that went with it was, let your dreams take flight. And I totally saw that image when you were sharing the yeah. story because our dreams are important. They make us who we are. Yeah. And um, it's kind of like when you go to a memorial service, you want to walk out going, I know who that person was. And not, oh, my God, they talked about all these other things. Who was that person? It certainly wasn't my friend. Yeah. Because um, maybe they Hufflepuff stuff. Sure. You know. Um, sorry. Harry Potter. Yeah. I was like <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm from Hufflepuff, so I get it. Um, okay, Donna. That's my house. Uh, so, okay, Donna. So anyway, um, <laughs> back to this. Um, 
I do think it's important that we remember that, that the dreams, yeah, they make us who we are. They, they do, but more importantly, dreams make it, dreams, I would say dreams do make us who we are, but more, more importantly, the execution of those dreams are the reward. Got it. Okay. And, and that's what I, that's the regret I fear at the end of life is like, I didn't reap that reward because I didn't either put the work in or prioritize this dream. Okay. Um, How do you keep yourself on track? Cause someone might be asking that question themselves. So I'm going to ask it. How do you, how do you keep yourself on track? So I would say, I would say that your, your dream is just like any project. Like if you're envisioning something, write down what you envision and then reverse engineer the steps it takes to it, to get there. Got it. And you can do that any number of different ways and find out a way that works for you. But that's the way to do it. Okay. Cause you can, you can, I, I would never, I never want, I don't want to be on my deathbed and people describe me as a dreamer. Oh, Okay. Because there was no action. Yeah. Got it. So like my dreams, like those are just, if that's the case, then all those dreams are just cool stories. I, and cool things I wanted to do in my life and never did. And nobody, because at my memorial service, Mm -hmm. I don't want people saying, Will had a dream to do X, Y, Z. Mm Mm-hmm. I want them to say it was amazing when Will did X, Y, and Z. God, okay. And that's a good death. That's a good death. Do you think there's an expiration date on dreams to execute them? Hoo-wee. I'd say I'd say no, but I would say that the I would say frankly the vast majority of human beings mm-hmm. put their own expiration date on them and they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're gone. Yeah. Which you know, I'm sh- I'm sure that for the lesser less important dreams I may have or Mm -hmm. like come through my mind that that may happen. But like you just, you can't, again, you have to prioritize exactly and and figure out what, what dreams are the most important that you can't die without achieving and and bringing to life. Okay. That makes sense. I like that. They say that, um, discipline is the bridge between dreams and goals. So like, yeah, you have to, you have to formulate a structure around what you want to accomplish, no matter what it is. Remember, however, like far out it may be, that makes sense. Not even in time, but in, in scale, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's so big that you're like, I don't even know where to start. It's like, start with your dream. Mm-hmm. And what's the step right before that? What's the step right before that? What's the step right before back that? it up. Right before that. And then you end up where you are. Yeah. And then you just move forward. Then you move forward because you've got your action plan. Yeah. And it's not easy to do. It's hard to do. Yes. It's really hard to just like sit down and do that. Mm-hmm. It's an exercise of the mind. Absolutely. But worthy. Absolutely, Absolutely. worthy of doing it. Yeah. I think. I think that is... Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think I, that that's a good death is having is having a good life and doing and doing all those things and putting it together. 
Yeah. If you're if you're lucky enough to put all that together, you lived a phenomenal life. Absolutely. You lived a phenomenal life. And I think some people do that in in, in a short amount of time. Yeah. I and mean, it's a life well lived. Mm-hmm. You know, and some people live their whole lives and never do it. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. I actually wrote a grief article with that same title, A Life Well Lived. It was based on somebody that I watched die um, at a young age. And yet he had accomplished so much that he wanted to on many levels. I felt like he had lived a life that I was inspired by. Mm -hmm. So to to me, that was a life well lived because even in his death, he left a lasting mark on my life and how I want to change and prioritize and do life differently. Mm. So a life well lived is a really awesome concept to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that's, that's how I communicated to my family is, yeah. is when they describe someone and I'm, I'm inspired by their story and inspired by the way, the way they, they carry that sharing that information. Cause they, they say it proudly yeah. of the person who, who passed away. And I'm like, it's, the, it's. I always thank them for sharing and saying that it's really inspiring to hear stories of a person yeah. who lived their life well. Very true. So it's it's nice to be able to to share that with somebody and hear those stories. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.